strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Welcome to my latest experiment. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. I just want to relax. Nice lukewarm bath. <laughs> I don't know how much longer I can hold this. Sarah Connor. Oh, look. Carnage. Dead. Dead, dude. Well, what's fun about that? Quite sweet, really, aren't they? God, I love this street. No one. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures. I'm Claire with Mother and Dad, which is never said in the movie. You guys don't get to say hi. I get to talk the whole time because you guys are dead. <laughs> I mean, you get to talk a I little talk bit. I talk in the movie. You Mother talk talks. a little bit. Mother takes over by the end. A little bit. I think all that means, though, is by the end of this podcast, Claire is just going to be talking like you all the time, and you'll still be dead. Yeah, that's a fair point. But also, Claire already him, no. talks like me. So. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, You're not Norman? No. Who are you? I'm 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 Maria's I'm I'm Marion's sister. She's dead. Oh, Lila. Okay. Yeah, I'm Lila. You haven't said what movie we're doing. The folks oh, at home right psycho. now are really confused. <laughs> Don't call me that. You're a psycho. Ugh, rude. True. True. Though. You are a psycho. So though. true. F H S Y C H O. Did you just say F H S Y C H O? I said P. I said P. No, first of all, you definitely did not. And this secondly, is, this is a recording. Like you can just skip back fifteen seconds and know that you said F S H. I said P <laughs> P H Y S C. Yeah, that's still wrong. That's oh. like physics that you just spelled. This P S Y C H O psycho. It's not my fault you can't spell. I mean, spelling is tricky. Ha! I mean, actually, ha! I'm your mother and an educator, so it kind of is my fault that you can't spell, but whatever. I'm stabbing you right now with an imaginary knife. <laughs> well, I'm basically hitting you with my hand. I'm, I'm smashing I'm your head. I'm crashing your head. I'm crashing your head. Anyways, so we are here to talk about Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. In case you have not caught on to that by now. Um, we're supposed to notify someone. What's her name again? We're giving a shout out to Shara, right? Yeah, Shara Shara, Valentine. Shara, 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 Shara. You're being said in this thing. Shara, Shara, Shara. Shara! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, when, when I said, uh, when I shared uh, on the social medias that we were going to do a dive into uh, Alfred Hitchcock, starting with Psycho, uh, Shara, who is a big podcast supporter, both of uh, Bill and Claire's and also of ItMod, and also a member of the uh, Alamo Drafthouse Winchester Film Club, uh, said she really wanted to know to see how this goes. So, whatever happens next, Shara, this is this is what you asked to be made aware of. Yes, uh, we're so. off to a crazy start, and you <laughs> asked for it. But so this is our first movie in our dive into the cinema of Alfred Hitchcock, the master of suspense. And I picked Psycho for the first one. I mean, it's later in his in his filmmaking. You know, he was making silent films in the 20s and his film career grew through the 30s into uh, soundies and uh, talkies. And then um, uh, really, I think, took off with, uh, you know, thriller and suspense. And the ones that we remember him the most for are, you know, later in the 40s uh, and 50s and then early 60s for, uh, for the next, Psycho. 
The next one, we should do one of his silent ones or end with one of his silent ones. I would love to take a look at some of his silent films. I've always wanted to see a silent film. I've never seen one. Well, and that's something that we should do. There are a bunch of great silent films. I really don't know that much about Alfred Hitchcock's uh, silent film era. Like, I haven't really seen... uh, very many of his films. In fact, Psycho, the first time that I saw Psycho all the way through was just... A couple years ago. Yeah, two years ago when that Alamo Drafthouse and One Loudon was showing it on the big screen. I had seen clips of it. It wasn't, you know, a mystery to me, the the twists and turns of that movie. like I, I knew it. And it was one of those movies that I had heard enough about it that I felt like I had actually seen it. When I sat and watched the entire movie, I was like... I have not seen this movie. <laughs> I was uh, I was I was super shocked to find out that the uh the big shower scene murder happens right in the middle of this movie and it pivots to a totally different story. I had no idea that that's where that happened in it. Uh, so I was really really surprised, which is funny to say about a movie like Psycho when you know about movies. But no, we should we should watch some silent era films and that should definitely be a deep dive that we do. Yeah, we'll have to put that on on the to-do list. And maybe when we do that, we'll put on an Alfred Hitchcock silent film or two as well. Um, What about you, Danielle? Are you very familiar with the works of Alfred Hitchcock? You call her mother. She's not Danielle. I will absolutely not call her mother. He will not be allowed to live here anymore if he ever calls me mother. Mother? No, that's yeah, oh my god. Mother would be furious if I called her mother. Yes, I let me tell you something. The first time <laughs> that I found out that the vice president Mike Pence refers to his wife as mother, I was like, well, there are two people we don't need anymore. Yeah, no. But didn't Ronald gross. Reagan always refer to um, yeah, Nancy? Yeah, not mother? a big Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan fan here either. So I'm just pointing like, out a pattern. There, it's a pattern. Yep, you're right. Anyways, but, mother, you were saying nope. <laughs> Divorce. Yeah, mother. Say it again. I shall have a divorce. That's not not how that works. You're like Michael Scott from The Office. I declare divorce. (laughs) Divorce. That's exactly right. Anyways, I I don't know how to answer that question, to be honest, because I was really into Alfred Hitchcock in middle school. We did not have internet yet. AOL. Some of my friends had started getting AOL. We didn't get it until ninth grade. Oh, man. So sad for you. Yeah, I know. AOL. We also didn't. What's AOL? (laughs) But we had TV, which you did not have. So. That's true. I did not have cable TV as um, a child. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, so uh, we didn't have the internet. There was no like Wikipedia or Google available to me. I went to a Catholic school. So not a lot of Hitchcock material in the library there. Daddy went to one too, though, until seventh grade. He He did go to a private school, not a Catholic school, although his library was probably even smaller. Oh, for sure. And uh, so I was kind of limited to either VHS tapes that my parents owned or ones that were available at Blockbuster. And that meant that I watched um, Psycho, The Birds, Frenzy, Vertigo once. Didn't care for that one. And uh, and then I saw some um, old episodes that my parents had recorded of his... Uh, he had a TV show or did he appear on someone else's TV show? Uh, dude, I did no research for this. I have no idea. Well... Give me a phone. I'll research. <laughs> I looked up information about Psycho. That's because what we were talking about gotcha. today. I forgot we we're gotcha. going to introduce Alfred Hitchcock as a human being who has a gotcha. significant body of important, you know, yes. cinematic yes. work. 
So, so I watched these old black and white episodes that my parents had recorded off of television that had commercials in them for products that no longer existed even in the early 90s when I was watching it. That I think was his television show, but it is very possible that it was his appearance on someone else's. All right. Well, so with a brief interruption for a little bit of Google searching, there was the Alfred Hitchcock film Hour from 1965, which I assume then is what you're That's probably what of. I'm remembering. And to be perfectly honest, the only thing I remember about watching those TV shows is that I liked it. And I remember like what I'm assuming was the intro that featured him. So my 25-year-old memories are a little fuzzy. But at any rate, so I I never like researched him as a filmmaker or knew that much about him. Um, you went to middle school when you were 25? No, I said 25, 25 years, years ago. ago. Oh. Yeah, which means she's so old. Divorce! <laughs> <laughs> I declare a divorce! I do declare a divorce! You do not declare a divorce! <laughs> no, I, I do. No, you don't. If you uh-huh. divorce, daddy's dead, Harper is dead, Quinn is, is, is nowhere to be found, and I'm laying on the couch watching a TV show. Either you don't understand what divorce means... Or- or you're a dangerous, dangerous person. You might say mad. Yeah. Perhaps we should put her in a madhouse. Yeah. You put me in a madhouse, you're never seen again. I'm reasonably certain that we're already living in a madhouse, but anyway. Um, so I, I was definitely a fan of his work, but I don't think that I knew that much about him. Um, I also watched uh, several times the sequel to Psycho, which I have never looked it up, but it would not surprise me if that was not uh, one of his films. Alfred Hitchcock's? Yeah. Oh, no. The, the Psycho sequels are not Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, that's what I figured. I was going to say, because they are noticeably different in tone and quality. Well, they come much later. It's like 1980-something early and then 1980-something late. Anthony Perkins actually directs the third uh, Psycho film. Oh, that's interesting. Because he, unless my memory is failing me, he's in. He is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Psycho 2 picks up where he's been released from the institution where he's mm-hmm. supposed to be cured. He gets yeah. like a rehab job at a diner. And then I'm pretty sure spoilers, he kills that lady. And then three. He kills a lot of people in Psycho 2. Uh, <laughs> hey, no. The body count is much higher than no. Psycho 1. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> Are you planning on watching that one? Yes. Okay. okay. All right. On all the psychos. Okay. On the podcast. Well, okay. then there's one in particular we'll talk about later because uh, I'm, I'm curious what you'll think about it, Claire. But we'll three, we'll get four, to it. five, six, seven. Did no. you go and watch the sequels? No, I didn't go and watch the sequels in like preparation for this. Oh no, 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 not that. I just I know you had told me that uh, when we went to see the first Psycho in the theater, you said you'd never seen it. I was wondering if you had gone without me to see the sequels. Since no, then. I am just for whatever reason. Way more familiar with the events of two and three. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, having not seen any of them, well, until I saw Psycho. Right. Um, I don't know why that information is in my brain. I don't know. Because my if... brain stores trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, if your brain's full of trash, then how are you talking right now? Because oh. if your brain was full of trash, you had nothing, you had no nerves, you just had a whole bunch of paper in your head. I, all I do is talk trash, Claire. I don't know. If oh yeah, you know dad me. jokes. <laughs> you know, if this is a sci-fi film, all of these 
uh, brief recollections of things that you don't actually remember having watched would turn out to be some sort of alien abduction where they forced you to watch old psycho movies. Oh, that's my prevailing theory on most of my experience in this world is that I have been the subject of alien experimentation. No, you were not. <laughs> I'm going to be the first one to be subjected. You know, Claire, most people don't set out as an ambition to be a guinea pig. Not that's guinea just pig. my lot I'm in a life. Clara pig. A Claire pig. You're the guinea pig. I'm the alien abductee. No, you're not. Oh, wait. Is it alien abductee? Someone who's been kidnapped by aliens. Nuh-uh. Nobody's been. I'm the first one. So you are... You're an alien. Yeah, I would buy that. I would buy that. I mean, and I'm a Claire. There's a lot that would make a lot more sense if I was from another planet. So Claire, what did you think of Psycho? Mother! Blood! 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 No! Not again! <laughs> Does that mean you liked it? It was awesome. Yeah. So, I, I mean, of the movies that we've watched, especially the Universal Horror and, and some of the ones that are a bit outside, I think Psycho is a pretty different kind of movie to have watched. Uh, and so you you enjoyed the experience? Were you engaged the entire time? Uh, what did you like about it? Mother, Gelatin, Lee, Lila, Lila, my boyfriend, Sam, everybody except the main characters, Marion. What did you not like about Marion? I'm curious. No, I said I liked these characters. I thought you said you liked everybody but the main characters. Yeah, that's what I heard. I said too. I liked e- I liked everybody. I said I didn't like everybody but the main characters. Okay, yeah, you lost me. Why don't you start over? Well, I liked Lila and Sam. I also liked uh, Marion. I did not like any of the pe- any of the other people except Marion's friend in the office. So like her boss and the the um the guy that was buying the property. And when you say you don't like them, do you mean you you didn't you thought that that was made the movie bad when they were in it or you just didn't like the the characters? You thought they were bad people. I just don't like the character. Yeah, cuz they were kind of creeps, right? Yeah. They're like, "Here, I'll just give you $40,000 cuz you're going home anyways." If she actually had a headache, she would probably take the money because she wouldn't. Because if you have a headache, you probably would only hear, here's $40,000. Take it home with you. This is why we never get change back from Claire. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Here's a glimpse into Claire's brain. No, but you raise an interesting point, not one that I considered. I mean, she tells her boss, I need to go home. I have a headache. Like, if you. If, if we assume that she's telling the truth and that she is ill enough to go home from work early and he's like, oh, but on your way, stop and run this errand for me. That's not very considerate. And he's also he doesn't want he says, I don't want this cash in the office over the weekend, presumably because he doesn't want to be responsible for it if it gets stolen or something like that. But he's perfectly comfortable making her be responsible for it, even though she won ends up dead, too. She supposedly had a headache and takes the money with her. Yeah, I don't know. If I if I was a boss, I don't I don't think even if somebody had worked with me for ten years that I would give them the equivalent of cash for a house to deposit at the bank on behalf of my business. I mean, because you're you're tra- he's like I guess they're the real estate. Well, I don't I don't even know what really they are. Are they are they Real estate brokers? Is they developers that she works for? Like, why is this guy buying a house from them? I mean, either way, there's no way you can afford to misplace that amount of money by any stretch. I mean, that's that's madness. 
rather take it and lose it yourself than give it to somebody else and they take it. Yeah, but I think, you know, when that creepy guy comes into the office, he's like, ladies, your boss can afford air conditioning now, which, you know, tells us that this office that she's working in is not air conditioned. We know that she's from Phoenix, so it's in Phoenix, Arizona, so hot as a mofo. And he says to the guy, here, come back to my office, it's air conditioned. So here's a man who has two women working for him, and he's making them work in an unair conditioned office space, but his office is air conditioned. Yeah, if you don't air condition your employees, you definitely don't give them $40,000 to deposit at the bank for you. Well, and I think, <laughs> I think that that's an indication, though, you know, we're talking about the 60s. Um, you know, he's perfectly comfortable standing there and allowing his client to sexually harass her. I don't think that he sees them as, you know, adults People. with agency and ideas of their own. Like they, you know, exist to serve him and their own thoughts or ambitions or desires never enter into it. So it, it doesn't occur to him that she would steal the money because she is a servant. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think that's accurate, especially when you see her thinking later on as she's driving in the car about how she likes, she gets scared and then she starts to replay that conversation in her mind as sort of a victory over him. And, you know, she imagines hearing um, this crude dude uh, lament how she outfoxed him, basically. Um, but then I wonder what is Alfred Hitchcock saying about that? Because then she is unceremoniously murdered by Norman all in the midst of his own little psychodrama that suddenly brings her story to a screeching halt. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on with her character, I think. The setup in the very beginning where she is having a romantic interlude with her boyfriend in a hotel uh, on her lunch break kind of suggests to me that they were having an affair. But then we find out that he's not married, he's divorced. You know, he says that he can't marry her now, that's not particularly shocking. I could imagine maybe in the 60s, the idea that she's sleeping with him, knowing full well that he has no intention of marrying her is... Oh, that that whole sequence, Alfred Hitchcock had a big fight with the production code people about even the way that that opening scene was shot. When they show you and they're on the bed kissing and she's in her um, her slip and her bra and he's got his shirt off, right? And it's revealed that they're not married. To have a man and a woman in an intimate state, even if you know, they weren't having sex or anything like that, um, but to be um, undressed as though they were intimate partners was uh, forbidden. That was a big, that was a big no-no. Um, and so they had a big back and forth uh, about that and then also about the nudity around the shower sequence. I think if I understand right, they won the debate about the way that the shower scene was shot by removing uh, one shot of her butt, I think, uh, or or at least Janet Lee's um, double um, doubles butt. And Janet Lee just not want her butt shown, and that's why they got her a double. I don't know the answer to that for a hundred percent, or or at least for part of the nudity. I mean, obviously, when they're shooting her face in the scene and all that sort of stuff, that's clearly her because you can see her face. Um, but but one of the things that that Albert Hitchcock found is, I think, that the censors who were looking at it, the production code people, were like. Well, you can't use the shot because there's nudity in it because you can see her breasts in this shot. And then the other half were like, no, this, this stuff is fine. And then when he challenged it, the, the reviewers switched their opinions um, as though he had sent them something new. And then the other half were like, oh, no, this. And once they realized that they couldn't agree on whether or not there was actually nudity, there was a push on it. 
Um, and then he solved the uh, the opening scene where they're in the bed by offering to reshoot with somebody on set um, from the production code people. And uh, when they showed up to do the reshoot, uh, nobody actually showed up to monitor the shooting. So he didn't shoot anything. And they just went ahead and put the put the movie through. Um, but like as far as what was shown on screen, Psycho really pushed the envelope for what mainstream cinema was prepared to handle in 1960. But I mean, Claire, you know, we just came off of watching The Shape of Water. Did That's you... a lot of nudity. <laughs> right. And a lot more violence. <laughs> and a lot more violence. And a lot more. Yeah, yeah, definitely some gross stuff in The Shape of Water. For, for example, sure. the sex scene. Yes. Uh, how about him ripping his own fingers off? Awesome. Yeah. That was actually pretty awesome. If I had black fingers, I would love to just like play with pulling them on and off. Because like I do that trick where where I make it look like I'm... <laughs> yeah, like imagine if you off. could just tear your fingers off as a trick. God, wouldn't that have been a great scene? Here, kids, I got a magic trick for you. Come here, watch this. I'm going to take my fingers off. You guys are making me feel faint. <laughs> Look, I take you by So watching this movie, were you particularly scared or, or upset or offended by any of the, the stuff that you saw in it? Didn't like the skeleton scene. Did, did that bother you? Yeah, I don't really like seeing a, like a man turn into a skeleton. So you're grossed out by bones, huh? Okay. That's I'm not grossed out by bones. I just don't like the fact of them showing a scene where a guy turned, where a guy, where some part of a guy. Turns oh, you're talking about the the end shot of him where it superimposes the skull image over his face. Oh, okay. I'm not talking about the actual skeleton. Oh, I like okay. skeletons. They're cool. I mean, that actual skeleton though is particularly creepy because it's not just a skeleton. Mm-hmm. I mean, they say in the film that he stole the body and tried to preserve her as much as possible. And she has, like, mummified, thick, oh, yeah. leatherish skin covering a, most of the skeleton. Um, and those eye sockets. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it's a pretty... It's as a far gruesome as, skeleton. Yeah, it's a pretty gruesome skeleton. So it's a good skeleton. I mean, yeah. And if your goal is to scare people, mission accomplished. Now, Claire, I gotta ask, what did you think when the reveal happens... And it turns out that Norman Bates is mother, and Norman Bates is also the killer. Were you surprised? I honestly thought that there were two that there were twins. Mm-hmm. There was two Normans, but one like there was some some weird thing where he turned himself into two people, and one was his evil side, and the other was his good side. The good side is what was serving people, and the bad side was what turned himself into mother. Well, I mean, you know, aside from the science fiction fantastical element of that um, being real, that's more or less what goes on with him. Yeah, it's just instead of having like a clone or a twin, he has another personality living in his head. Wait, but then who's standing at the window the whole time? Because when he's down, they're still looking up at the window. I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be her corpse. And Do you remember has- Home Alone when... Um, the robbers are going to come the first night and Kevin puts up all of those, um, like the sewing dolls and the Celtics, uh, you know, poster man. And he puts them on the train. So they're going around William and moving. Das. What? That is Michael Jordan. Oh, is it? 
in his Bulls jersey. Oh. <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, I guess that does make more sense. Yeah. What's his name, though, is in a movie called Celtic Pride. So in fairness, that's why the Celtics are on my okay. mind. Okay. Um, but no, you know, so you know how Kevin thwarts the, the guys by making him think there's a house party going on. I'm fairly certain that's what Norman Bates is doing, only he's doing it to himself. So he puts his mom's corpse in the window so he can look up at the house and see that his mom is there. Um, and that's him. Watching over him. Yeah, watching over him, watch, like watching him. And that's part of his like trick to himself. So in that instance, Norman Bates is both Kevin McAllister and Harry and Marv. <laughs> There's some twisted psychology for you. But Harry and Marv don't kill anybody. I mean, they try to, though. Maybe not Marv, but Harry is definitely going to kill Kevin if the um, snow shovel dude does not show up. But Kevin also tries to kill Harry and Marv. Oh, yeah. That's it just true. I think the problem with murder in Home Alone is that Harry and Marv and Kevin are all inept at finishing the job. Yeah, sure. Whereas Norman Bates... Very good at it. Super efficient killer. Which I just want to point out, I have maybe never been as proud of my child as I was when we were watching Psycho and Norman Bates is rolling up uh, Marion Crane's body in the shower curtain and he backs her car up to the hotel and starts packing her stuff and Claire goes, oh, he's done this before. <laughs> and I was like, that's my girl. <laughs> I, I, that's, I, you know, now feeling comfortable saying this is my second time watching this movie, uh, which it turns out is true. <laughs> um, I thought I had seen it before. Mr. Alien Abduction. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, my second time watching this movie, I really do appreciate what Alfred Hitchcock does by showing um, Marion Crane really second guessing and fumbling about in her commission of this stupidly easy crime to commit. Like, I mean, the guy was just like, you know, uh, get lost, go home. Here's all this money. And all she had to do was go. Um, and she messes up driving out of town by driving by where her boss is drinking um, she sleeps on the side of the road and runs away from a cop in terror and buys a new car to get out of being spotted by said cop while said cop watches her buy a new car. Um, you know, she's just a nightmare at committing what should be a fairly straightforward theft. Because, like, how hard would it for her to have been, like, to go give the money to boyfriend to get out of debt? She comes back and she goes, oh, I was mugged. You sent me to a bank with $40,000 in cash. Like, you know, it was a pretty easy crime to complete. And then you contrast that with Norman Bates, who's like, oh, mother's at it again. I get the mop. I know I go with this trip. I come back with the mop. And uh, then I go back out with the car keys, maximum thing. Uh, the only time he really seems off-put is when the car drives by and the headlights go over him. But at least even then, he has the presence of mind to chuck the things to the side and just stand there. <laughs> Or you could have just turned around and pretend like he was pull, pull, putting the luggage in there. And then when the car lights go away, he goes back. I really like uh, Anthony Perkins' performance in this movie. And I think that he does a lot of really interesting stuff with the character of Norman Bates. And, you know, in the same way that you get to see Marion Crane shift from being afraid of getting caught to a feeling of pride and triumph at outwitting these idiots that she's basically correctly taking advantage of you see norman bates shift from norman into mother in that conversation over buttered bread 
in the middle of it. And mm-hmm. it's really, it's really terrific acting. It is. I, I think Anthony Perkins is amazing in this movie. I think he does a great job at playing the um, victim of child abuse, of emotional abuse. And he does a great job of playing a homicidal maniac. And he does a great job of playing someone who is trying to cover up just intense rage at what is being said to them and manages to shift back and forth between those three sort of personas all in the same conversation. And his facial expressions are unbelievably creepy Mm -hmm. because he is in the very your first sight of him when he's just coming down the steps and he has a smile on his face, he's very attractive. He's, um, oh, has, he's a handsome like, man. He's very handsome and he has that like boyish look mm-hmm. to him. Um, he's very charming. And I remember being, you know, kind of like, oh, he's so cute. Maybe I have a crush on this character. And then, you know, by the end of it, you're like, man, that dude is just straight up creepy. And it has nothing to do with makeup effects or anything like that. It is 100% the facial expressions that he's adopting for the camera. It's amazing. Oh, I thought that mother was played was was the voice of another of another person. That Mo- was just The mother voice that you hear is the voice of another person. It's Virginia um Virginia Gregg, Paul Jasmine, and Jeanette Nolan all voice various instances of mother, except for uh the final speech once Norman's been arrested and had a full psychotic break. That entire speech is Virginia Gregg. Um so it's it's not it's not Anthony Perkins doing the the mother voice. Which is a bit of a cheat, Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, because there's you know, you can't guess that that's Anthony Perkins doing that particular voice, but it's it's okay. It's okay. It's fine, I guess. But I mean, they did a really good job because it kind of because the mother's voice kind of sounds a little manly. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I if you had asked me if that was Anthony Perkins doing the voice, I probably would have guessed no, just because since it's never on screen, why not use a a voice talent? But I do think it has a sort of androgynous tone to it, and the something about the shrillness of it does sound a little bit like kids impersonating their mother when they're angry with her. To be clear, I'm just joking. It's it's a good it's a good choice. It sounds good and it's a totally defensible cheat. Your input has been rejected. <laughs> this is completely unrelated to this. Well, kind of is. So I just watched last night I was watching a Walking Dead show which is basically where you choose your own way to go about. And I just finished watching two episodes of that, which were both an hour, so I just watched two hours of shows, and then I went to sleep. In case any parents are trying to add up the time. There's a show called The Walking Dead, Claire? Not a show. It's a game. It's not a show! It's a game, so it's, it's a Walking Dead game. Yeah, okay. and, you ch- and it's basically a choose-your-own-story, oh. kind of like the books, but it's in but it's a motion, like they talk and such. And I'm on episode three tonight, if I'm going to watch it. Okay. And basically what's happened so far is a lot of killing has been happening, and it's not by the zombies, it's by what's called the New Frontier. Well, there's always a lot of killing in zombie stories, but how does this relate to Psycho? I was going to say that one of the guys is just on a killing spree. He kills a eight-year-old girl just because his br- his brother gets knocked out. 
Is it more objectionable to kill an eight-year-old girl than, say, a 28-year-old girl? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I can answer that. It is. I, I agree. I, I just, don't get what he means. Like, is it worse to kill a child than it is to kill an adult? I feel it's equally because a child will grow up to have another child, but then an adult will grow up to have a child. So you're basically killing a child while killing just an adult. Because if that adult ever planned to have a kid, it would be in the next generation. But you're killing any chance of that by killing that adult. So I think it's equal. Claire would like you to stand murder, uh, stand trial for that murder and the murder of all that person's potential descendants. I agree. You kill the future with murder. Anyways, you were saying Walking Dead is similar to Psycho How? Because, it's, because in Walking Dead, they're just killing. And in Psycho, they're mostly just killing. And it's basically like an aftershock of that. Like, for example, if the killing was an earthquake, the aftershocks, the aftershock, I think it's what they're called, the aftershocks would be what happens after that. So in Psycho, we see him kill Marion, and then he ends up killing the private investigator just to cover that up. And then he would have killed Sam and Lila to cover that up if that had been an option, but they got the best of him. But it's all, it's all just aftershocks from his dad dying for Norman. Like that's that's what we're really seeing is the long term story of of Norman Bates exploding into an inopportune moment and a victim where other people would actually just give a crap what happened to this person for no reason that has anything to do with that person by themselves. But the forty thousand dollars that they were traveling with. Were you surprised, Claire, when the movie, the story just let the forty thousand dollars go into the swamp with the car and that it didn't become about the money? Yeah. Actually, no. Why Why do you say no? You weren't surprised. Because I assumed that that was going to happen because he was, because I assumed that he was, ki- because in the conversation he says, you can't be with another girl, you're going to leave me. Right. And so she kills the girl. Well, the mother side of him kills the girl. Right. And, and that's what I thought was going to happen. And I didn't think that he was going to know that there was money there. Because it's not like he's like, I'm going to kill this girl to get some $40,000. No, $39,000. Yeah, $39,300. That, that... I love that she had to write it out to subtract it. All right, yeah. wait, I spent 700 on this ridiculous car. Uh, 39330 you said? No, just 39300 Oh, okay. So, Well, I mean, I would do the same thing because like, I can't do it in my head. So she must be mm-hmm. some of the kids who can't do She must not kids. She must be some of the people who can't do it in their head. Mm-hmm. And that's who he handed all that cash to. Someone who can't do that math in their head. I'm just saying. It's not a good cash flow <laughs> strategy. I can't do it in my... I cannot mostly do it in my head. If it's small numbers, like, for example, 10 minus 6, 4 is, is 4. Um, it's easy to do. But if it's 108 minus like, 30, minus like 33, I have to write that down on a piece of paper because I'll get lost if I do it in my head. That must be the same for her. So you understood from the get-go, though, that Norman's story and Marion's story really had nothing to do with each other other than the fact that they both happened to occupy the same space and time. That made, that made sense to you. Because I was, the first time that I watched this movie, I really, number one, I was surprised at how early in the film it feels like Marion is murdered and how quickly afterwards the film pivots away from the story about the money. You know, they're no longer, it's, 
even even the employer is like, oh, well, we can settle this privately. This is fine. And, I, and we know that that's because the dude's not declaring his income to the federal government, not out of the goodness of anybody's heart. But that 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 thread is so easily resolvable. Like her own little personal trap was easily solvable in, in the way that she saw. It. And she was going to go back and talk to him and probably everything would have worked out more or less OK other than the fact that she would have lost her job. But I was surprised at how the movie goes away from that. And how all of a sudden it becomes the Sam and Lila morale detective hour. And it becomes an investigation into the Bates Motel and what's going on there. It's just interesting to me. Well, I think, and this is just a guess, but I think that Psycho all along, the idea was to tell Norman's story, right? And the title, Psycho, I think is, is referencing him. But you're talking about a time period before, like, really modern detection has entered the picture for serial killers. Hmm. And so like you couldn't tell this story now uh, in this way because those two missing person cases that occurred before Marion disappears Mm -hmm. uh, would have had FBI crawling all over that motel Mm -hmm. because they disappeared. People knew where they were headed. There's only one motel on that route. Yeah. You know, so it would not have been difficult to solve that murder. But that's not that's not really the situation that that they were dealing with. And they needed a reason for people to show up at the motel asking questions. And if you think about it, if if she had not ever stolen forty thousand dollars, if she had just been going to visit Sam to surprise him while her sister was out of town and been murdered at the motel, they would have never found her. Mm-hmm. The only reason that they eventually uh, set their sights on the Bates Motel is because that private investigator tracks her there. And he would have never been hired had there not been money involved. What do you think, Claire? Does that make sense? I mean, she probably would have still hired it because that's her sister missing. I would assume, though, that a a really skilled private investigator like that would cost a lot of money. And I doubt that Lila had that kind of money. I think they would still involve a a subtype of investigator because her sister has gone missing and she has no idea what happened. Yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, when they go to the sheriff, the sheriff dismisses it as, well, it's just her just running away. And then when he says, well, what is she running away from? They're like, oh, well, she stole some money. And he's like, well, OK, I mean, uh, there's a crime committed. You probably should just report that crime. And when they don't want to, he's like, I mean, I don't, there's nothing really to do about it because people just disappear all the time. Who knows what these women are thinking? Right. And in the end, when the guy says, do you have any unsolved missing persons cases? He's like, oh, yeah, we do. Actually, we got two young women missing. Yeah. Like, so even in just his jurisdiction, he had two open cases for people that probably fit a similar profile. And he was not knocking anybody's door down to find them. I mean, it's not the height of sheriffing to go, oh, yeah, she poisoned her husband and then ate strychnine herself. Ugh, who would do that? Yeah. It's weird. I mean, I could definitely see murdering somebody with strychnine, but checking out with that same meal yourself, no thank you. She didn't murder her husband. She murdered her boyfriend. Well, yeah, boyfriend, right, right, right. yeah, yeah. Husband was killed probably, I think they said disease. I don't know that they ever say. I think he just died, and his death causes her to spiral into intense depression, and she really messes up her kid as a result of it. But- yeah, I the fact that they were found in bed together, dead, should have been an immediate, this is not suicide. Because you know the two places people don't commit suicide? In bed with their lover and on the toilet. Yeah. And they could, 
mean they could commit suicide on the toilet if they found out that they were pregnant and didn't want to be pregnant. Yeah, but still, I feel like if you know people are going to find you, you want to be found in a slightly more dignified fashion. Just my thought. <laughs> I mean, I would be want to be found in a bed because it means I would die comfortably. Sure. Sure. And on the toilet. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Nope. I meant if I'm playing a game. <laughs> No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying if I'm playing a game, that is, that is like, that's, that's like, stop. There will be no laughing. It's okay, Claire. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. We got, we gave each other the giggles. You go ahead. I was playing a game and it involves a toilet, for example, Captain Underpants on Roblox. One of the things is, is it's a mutated toilet. Cool. What's mutated about it? It's a mutated toilet. What's I don't know to what say that about it? Like, does it have feet or something? What? Yes. Oh, okay. It's basically a person. It's a toilet. Ooh. Toilet person. When I was obsessed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there was a time when I would have thought about jumping into the goo just so I could join the group. If I came out as a toilet, I would be very disappointed. I'm just saying. Well, but you understand that the problem with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and exposing yourself to the ooze is that you are not a turtle. You would not become a turtle. (laughs) (laughs) Just because you got exposed to the ooze. Look. (laughs) I was like nine. And I had a crush on Leonardo. What do you want me to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I get that. Like, I... Ten, and I don't think about jumping into stupid ooze. Like, I can think out that I have to be a turtle first. Okay. Well, look, we've, over the last few weeks, we've established that I had weird ideas as a kid. Especially the Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, don't knock it. You get in the bathtub, you fill it full of bubbles, you cover yourself in bubbles, and then you go, and you're a wampa. It's great. Very (laughs) cathartic. Again, you still do that. You didn't actually explain that in the Star Wars episode. Did I not? Yeah, that's what I did. But this is not gonna get it out. Yeah. <laughs> Covered myself in bubbles. All right. Uh so I think we're coming up on the end of the conversation. I mean, obviously there's a million things that, you know, if if we were you could do a whole film class on like a whole semester of college on just a few films from Alfred Hitchcock in the way that he shoots his movies, writes his movies, casts his movies. Um, the way that he pushes the envelope with what was allowed at the time and what wasn't allowed, and his ability to keep you tense about the outcome of events. Um, as I said, this is my second watch of the movie. I'm going to just own that fact. And I was still tense as to the outcome um, for uh, Lila and um, uh, boyfriend, Sam. Sam. I keep calling him, calling him Ben. I don't know why. Um, Lila and Sam. Um, I, I couldn't remember, you know, I was like, oh man, are they going to make it? Um, does he get them before he's exposed? Uh, I don't know. And I just, I think that's a, a testament to really good, excuse me. I think that's a testament to really good filmmaking. I think so. I do have uh, two questions, uh, since you did research for this. When I was a middle schooler who was obsessed with Alfred Hitchcock, my friends and I you know, would talk about, and you know how middle school kids are always like, oh yeah, this guy I know said, or like, I read one time. So there are two trivia facts that I'm curious if they are actually true. I don't know if you'll know the answer. Number one, the blood that's swirling in the shower, is that really Hershey syrup? Uh, 
I don't know, but it's definitely black, whatever it is that they've, the brown it or black. It looks her like Hershey's syrup. Like when I thought, when I, when I saw it, I was like, I can't believe that they were just wasting that good Hershey's syrup. Especially <laughs> down a dray. Like that's a real dray. I would have eaten that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that could be Hershey's syrup. So yeah, that was one thing that, that someone told me is that, is that the blood in the drain in Psycho was Hershey syrup. And then the other question I had is, um, this one I'm pretty sure is not true, uh, but somebody told me at one point that Alfred Hitchcock makes a secret cameo in all of his movies. What's a cameo? An appearance where he, he doesn't, it's a very short appearance. Um, and yeah, I think that is true. Is it? Because yeah. I have scoured Psycho, and I do not see I him. don't know if it's all of his films, though, but it is enough that it's a thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not Psycho, because he probably did it for his first couple of movies, or maybe, like, spread it out. Maybe he did it to movies, like, maybe he shows up for a split second, and he's, like, he's like one of the people in the background who's being killed, if there's ever, if there's any movie like that. So, he's usually, um, I, I know at least one of the films I have seen a cameo from him. And it was like in a crowd shot. So as in like the seventh grade, uh, three of my friends and I got together and watched the crowd scene where Marion is driving out of Phoenix and there's people everywhere. And then also the scene where church is letting out and they're looking for the sheriff. We just watched those scenes over and over and over and over and over again looking for Alfred Hitchcock. Never found them, though. Hmm. I'm just Googling it now. It's um, it's when she's coming back in. He's standing outside uh, to the comes back from her. Uh, meet up. Oh, I was in the complete the wrong part of the movie. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, no, 1993 me would have really liked Google because that would have saved me an entire afternoon. So yeah, all right. Well, so I, I think we can wrap up the conversation now um, unless anybody else has anything to, to talk about today. I just have one question for Claire. Everyone just about that I've ever known who has watched Psycho, the next time they take a shower... They get a little freaked out. Are you scared? Me taking a knife into the shower every time in case you come in with a knife. Or Harper and Quinn. Okay, I'm going to veto that. There will, definitely, there will definitely be no armed showering. So when you guys are gone, I don't mean like um, gone out to a store or something like that and they're coming back. But when you're out of town, mm-hmm. I don't enjoy showering on my own mm-hmm. because there's too much noise. And I could be sneaked up upon. <laughs> and so I will, when I'm showering on my own, this is, this. is let's just share some information here. Let's talk some truths. When I'm showering while you guys are out of town, mm-hmm. I will leave the door open. Oh, that's cold. It is. And, you know, we've got the, the inner curtain and the outer curtain. Sure. I leave the outer curtain open so that I have a constant line of sight out the door. Uh-huh. So that nobody can sneak up on me while I am showering. But I mean, she has the same thing and she doesn't see. I know, but yeah. I can learn from that lesson. And then it gets really tricky because the way that I wash the place where my hair on my head used to be. <laughs> <laughs> used to be. I was going to say the way I wash my hair, but I don't have any. My former hair. You the do. The way I wash my former hair. Um <laughs> Is I I will I I will put my entire head under mm-hmm. the shower. Yes, I've seen you. It's crazy, by the way. Right, but that's how how I do that. I shower 
with a different bathing strategy when you guys are here. you shower like a normal person? <laughs> yes. So that I can maintain constant eye contact with the place of danger. Normal. They do that all the time. Um, so, okay. On on that oversharing note, I think that we can go ahead and You're not wrap editing up. that out, Daddy. I'm not you editing are. that out. I'm a thousand percent keeping that. We can go ahead and wrap up this conversation. Claire, do you want to talk us out? Make sure to follow us with the five star rating and a subscribe and a subscribed button. It, I don't know if it shows that, but uh, but I'm just a YouTube girl, so that's normal. You can me. subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on Spotify. You can subscribe on Google Play Music. You can subscribe on iHeartRadio. You can subscribe on Radio, Podbean. Cool. Yeah, we are everywhere you listen to podcasts. But if you are gonna rate and review us, it would be awesome if you could do it on iTunes because that's the big kahuna for us and uh, that's really what will help us grow our audience alright so anyways make sure to follow the chat cast us and the Imod podcast with a 5 star rating and a subscribe button and don't forget to eat the mouth of darkness with my dorky dad <laughs> and where can they find us on the social media we can find us you can find us at B-A-C-E-A podcast on twitter and, you know, if you guys have questions for Claire, feel free to hit us up there. And uh, we would really like to know if you have shown your kids any Alfred Hitchcock films, especially Psycho, and what did they make of Norman Bates? I think that's going to do it for us today. Until next time. And if, there, and if anybody does that, the next week we, we do it, we might put out some shout outs for some more people and probably Shara again. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Shara, let us know um, if you showed your son Psycho. I'm, I'm very curious to, to hear if you did, and if so, what he made of it. So anyways, make sure to always have your outer shower curtain open when you shower, <laughs> and don't be killed by a, the ghost of Norman Bates. See ya. Don't die. Bye.